You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about art. We talk about spiritualism. We talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, meritocracy, and mediocrity. We do sometimes talk about things like sexual assault, suicidal ideation, self-harm, trauma, and whatnot. So, you know, be advised. Each week, artists, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people join me, Brad Pearson. Not a doctor. Not a therapist. Not an expert. In a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Are you blessed or are you cursed with a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst? Do you want to confide about the darkness inside? Come and talk about it on Self-Worst. Okay, welcome to Self-Worst. First episode of the new year, yay. It's 2022. I already said... I'm not going to assign any emotions. I'm not going to say Happy New Year to this year. I'm not going to jinx it. I'm not going to uh, put any kind of uh, forecast out for this year whatsoever. We're just going to awkwardly shuffle into this year, head down, not making eye contact. Just, just Just keep moving. It's January 6th. That's a fun day. That's a happy first anniversary of one of the funniest, dumbest days in American history. Oh, boy. Pretty great. I didn't mean to release this episode on, on J6. It just happened. Um, just worked out that way. It's also my dad's birthday. Papa Pearson, happy birthday, Dad. Um, he, last year, he had a weird birthday. No, he, he was not at the Capitol. I'll have you know, both of my parents are Unitarian and uh, good NPR liberals. They were probably more disgusted and horrified than the Capitol storming than I was, honestly. I thought it was pretty funny. I don't think they thought it was funny. Oh, well. Look, it's going to be okay. The, 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 the QAnon shaman, he got like 41 months. So I'm sure he'll learn his lesson. And, uh, you know, we got the, the J6 committee in Congress. They're doing something. Shuffling papers around. Just passing, passing a manila envelope back and forth to each other. Just the same envelope, just going around in a circle to look busy. And they collect their $174, $174,000, rather, in salary. Uh, and they go home. They go on vacation for a while. And they count some of their money from uh, fracking companies and defense contractors. Look, I don't want to get all political. This is not about that. This is not about this podcast. Is not about J six. It just happens to be uh, released on that uh, day. But this episode is dedicated to the month of January, to the bleak midwinter, to the harshest t- 
time of year, just atmospherically. We got about nine hours of daylight a day. It's dark, it's gloomy, it's cold, it's wet. And it might not be materially or spiritually or politically or whatever uh, the hardest time of the year. Again, like I said, I don't know. It might get worse. We might be praying for January come July. Don't know. But here we are. Just, 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 just atmospherically. It is a hard time to exist. We shouldn't be awake and doing shit right now. We should be hibernating. It's dark out. It's cold. I want to stay in bed. Oh. The, the effort it took. The amount of emotional dollars it cost me to get up out of bed this morning and record this intro. God damn. I'm broke. I'm out of willpower points for the rest of the day just for doing this. So you're welcome. I spent it all on you because I love you. If you're listening to this, you might be having a tough go of it this time of year. What with the seasonal seasonal depression and all. And I want to encourage you to just keep chugging along. Keep your head down. Keep moving. You'll get through it. Be easy on yourself. Don't expect too much. But... I would also encourage everybody to stay on their grind. Stay on your routine, whatever it is. If you're making a podcast, for instance. If you're doing a newsletter. Or if you're doing your art. You're doing, you know, you're making a regular uh, discipline. Stay on it. It's good to stay regular. Creatively. Gastrointestinally. Eat some prunes. Keep it moving. Keep that shit moving. It's good. You'll feel better. One of the one of the things that I one of the best adult lessons I have learned in adulthood is the lesson of doing things when you don't want to. If you're really dragging your feet before a workout and you're just like, Ugh. you're just kind of like standing there in your workout gear, like you're just staring off into space because you don't even want to start it. But once you do, once you get over that hump, before you know it, it's over. You feel better. You feel like you did a thing, such as it is. And it does improve your mood a little bit. I promise. It'll help a little. It won't fix everything. It'll help a little. So try that out. That's my advice to you for this week and for this year, uh, for the next few months ahead. They're just, uh, they're going to suck. I'll level with you. It all sucks. But to quote the motto of uh, a little time podcast, shout out to a little time podcast. Life sucks, and so do we. Right? So let's just do it. Okay. Our guest this week is the great Jocelyn Jensen. She's a writer and a former actress uh, living in Los Angeles. 
Um, you will remember uh, oof, a long time ago, I had Linus Phillips on the show. Um, and I, I know her through Linus, basically. But this was our first conversation, so I don't really know her. You know how this goes. I reach out to people who I barely know through the internet, and I'm like, tell me all about yourself and your childhood trauma and your deepest secrets and insecurities. It'll be fine. For no money. And they're like, yeah. And that's how this goes. So, um... Without further ado, I don't know. I've been going on long enough. Also, I, I got another thing. I got to hop on a Zoom therapy call in a minute. I'm already at my computer and everything. So, uh, I'll see you on the flip side of the show. I love you. I kiss you on the lips. I die for you. You know all that already. Goodbye. Enjoy the enjoy the enjoy the interview with Jocelyn Jensen. So uh, this is the first time we've ever actually spoken to each other. We um, I saw you in Linus Phillips's The Ride, um, and just sort of went from there. Cool. Um, So. Yeah, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, what you do and uh, and what you're all about. Cool, thanks. I'm Jocelyn. What's up? Does your fandom have like a nickname? Like, are you guys like the little worsties? Not really. I oh, don't okay. have enough of a fandom to actually give them a nickname is the thing. So, uh, What's up, everybody? <laughs> what's up, little worsties? Um, I'm Jocelyn. I'm a writer, screenwriter, and former independent film actor um yeah i met caitlin um working on the ride and we had kind of crossed paths a few times before the ride was a web series that i made um or that i worked on it was linus phillips web series about an uber driver we kind of pitched it as room 104 but like in a car so he was the uber driver that was the central character and then other people would come in and out of the car and each episode was kind of structured that way. And then right. it kind of went from there. Um, I live in Los Angeles. I'm a ghostwriter and a screenwriter for hire and I'm a cook at a restaurant. Are you from LA originally? I'm from Seattle. Um, and I lived in New York for almost 10 years. And then I moved to Los Angeles in 2016. Okay. Um, was the ride one of the last uh, things you did, like acting wise? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I've appeared, I've appeared on film in some capacity as a documentarian, mm-hmm. um, but that might be my last acting role. That's a good question because I worked also um, as a contributing writer on the ride, and I had some like various on like crew positions because it was such a small. Right deal so i i almost like forget (laughs) like i know i was in the ride but my memories of it are so much on the other side of the camera that i'm like oh yeah maybe that was the last thing um and i'll do some i'll do some acting work for friends sure um but and that that was the case for that one i didn't audition for it because he already knew i was like helping him write and he was like why don't you just play so you'd done a little bit of writing on that um Mm -hmm. did you write that episode that you were in or, or any of I that? I have a, yeah, I co-wrote that episode with mm-hmm. 
Linus. We worked on it together. It's his vision. And I kind of just came in there and like was grateful for the opportunity to contribute to the writing um, and work with Luca. It was great. It was great fun. I loved that thing. I wish we could do more and maybe we will someday. It was so never... good. It's, there's just no fucking justice. It should have been picked up immediately. Immediately. It's, it's I fucking agree. great. Yeah, it's insane. At least we've got our heads screwed on straight here. Okay. I know. Um, <laughs> well, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, exactly. Sort of. As, uh, I'm doing my best. Um, yeah, well, how did you get started, uh, you know, doing doing writing? What what led little Jocelyn growing up in Seattle to uh, become a writer? That's a good question. I I think I came to writing, writing later in life and came to performing first. Um, but I was always super shy. And my favorite part of acting was interpreting the writing. So I think once that clicked in for me, which is a little late, like I have a theater degree, like I went all the way through college thinking I wanted to be an actor before I realized I didn't. And I just mm -hmm. like kind of changed gears and realized what my strong suits were. And I don't mean to put myself down. Like I, I can, whatever the carry a tune equivalent is for acting, like I'm competent. I understand sure. that. But, but um, with writing, it's like totally different. I feel so much more comfortable and engaged and like inspired by working as a writer. So I, I started to answer your question. I started reading um, screenplays for a screenwriting contest. And the more scripts that I read, the more I kind of learned about screenwriting. And then when I tried it myself, it was like a natural transition because I had interpreted scripts as an actor for a long time. And then when I started writing them, I had hundreds of scripts under my belt that I had read before I started writing. And that kind of helped accelerate my career as a writer. Mm. Who uh, were some of your favorite writers? That's such a good question. I, I, I think it's, it's hard to answer without considering the directors as well, mm -hmm. because I don't know. Like, I mean, I love Yorgos Latimos, like dog tooth and the lobster and kind of like magic realism but it's so much a directing thing as much as it is writing. Um, I also really love like Kevin Williamson and Scream. And I have like a very, I have varying um, tastes when it comes to screenwriting mm -hmm. because I don't think it's that dissimilar to acting where if you have an actor that you love, like I love Olivia Coleman, let's say, and it's not like I wanna be doing the exact same things as her if I'm aspiring to be a great actor as well. She's right. kind of just like clued into something that seems really truthful. Mm. And I, I admire that. And I want, I, I, I aspire to it, but not in the direct. I like aspire to being so much myself the way she seems to be so much herself. And so that's how I feel about writing. Like I, I feel that I have like such a varying taste in screenwriting because I'm like, for the thing you're doing, you are doing it best. Like, or you're doing it great. And for the thing I hope to do, I hope to be like as good as Kevin Williamson is at writing like Scream. And yeah. I don't know what else. I don't, I know what you did last summer and like yeah. teaching Tingle and stuff than I am with like the weird movies that I want to make. Uh, I, I think the best, the, the best, the people with the best taste understands and appreciate highbrow and lowbrow equally. 
Um, oh yeah. There's just something that uh, I, I like about our our mutual friend uh, Caitlin is we highbrow lowbrow. We you know like she uh, I think has a really good taste and understanding of you know high art. Um, but also you know we she just bought the entire series of Jackass. And yeah. uh, we Correct. we were She's just right. watching we were just watching <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire like two seconds before we started recording, um, and this was not the first time we'd watched that even in like the last year or so. Like it's it's you know, and and you um, you have a new uh, project out that's uh, centered around Alf. Right, Alf. Yeah, remember the sitcom Alf? The alien Every, life. How form? could I forget? So. Um, as I mentioned, I do a lot of beta read. Well, maybe I didn't mention this, but I do a lot of beta reading and I do a lot of ghost writing. And a lot of my day when I'm not cooking at the restaurant is taken up by these projects that aren't my own. And it's definitely an art form to get excited about writing for projects that aren't your own. But also I was missing my own work and I just wanted to have a little project that I could do every month. Um, to express myself in the way I wanted to and have something funny and sort of dumb. And so I decided I was, I was consuming a lot of Monica Lewinsky content. I had watched the impeachment story, American, I never mm. know what the title is. American how, how is story that? impeachment. Was it okay? How was well, it? Well, I read, I, I watched it in tandem with uh -huh. reading Jeffrey Tubin's book and we all know Jeffrey Tubin problematic. Sure. Look, it, for the genre, I read a lot of books and he can get it right, but he's not great about women. We can talk more about that. But anyway, uh, I was reading The Vast Conspiracy, which is all about Monica Lewinsky and that whole period in history. And then I was watching Impeachment and I was watching a lot of Elf. And I was trying to come up with a newsletter idea because my friends are like, oh, start a newsletter. And I'm like, what do I, ha what's the news? Like, what do I have yeah. to say about myself? Like, it seemed cringy and also not fun, which was the whole point of it. So instead, I was like, let me write some fan fiction about Alf, but like from the point of view of a maligned, like former girlfriend of Alf, mm -hmm. like a Monica Lewinsky type character. And so I put together this project that just began yesterday, January 3rd, and they come out once a month, letters to Alf com, And it's the most fun thing. I've like created all these like doctored FBI reports on ALF and doctored Polaroid photos. And it's just been like so goofy and fun. And it's the best so thing this, going on. So this former paramour of ALF is a, is a human? Yes, in the yes. Okay. So yeah, because that makes I, sense. Because canonically, I think ALF does, he's attracted to humans. He likes young women, yes. There was that yes. really awkward episode where he like gets a crush on like the girl, like the, do you, yes. have you seen this episode? I have, yes. That episode's like stuck on, in my brain. Yeah, the teenage daughter, Lynn. Yeah, it's real weird. And for the whole episode, the mother, the matriarch of the, the Tanner family, thinks that Alf has a crush on her and is stoked. Like, she's like, oh, that's just flattering to be noticed. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, the, there's so many problems with it. And then, and then it turns out that he's really had this crush on Lynn, who's only 16. And she, like, kisses him on the nose and says, like, no offense, Alf. Like, I think you're great, but we're better as friends. And I'm like, right. this is not the, like... They're it's missing real the weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really a, weird. He makes a whole music video. It's he real, makes a yeah. He makes it's like a music the cringiest video. half hour of television. And they show the music video in full, so it's like 
eight minutes of the of the of the twenty minute episode is this music video that where he professes his love to Lynn and she just is kind of like no. Okay. And the rest of the episode, he's trying to sabotage her boyfriend and like almost kills him. Like it's that kind of like Anvil near miss <laughs> right. cartoon violence where you're like. This is so bizarre, and I love Elf so much. It's such a wild. I'm glad. Wild I'm just glad you can corroborate this because, like, I have it like stuck in my head like a fever dream. That episode, just like, no, he does. He has a boner for the teenage daughter. He makes yep. a music video. He yep. he professes his love to her. The mom yep. thinks the mom's jealous. They're like in this weird uh, love triangle with a with a two foot alien that looks like a dog. Like, it's just. It's crazy. And there's a, oh, there's another episode where Alf loves calling, like call-in shows. Like a lot of episodes are structured around him calling like the president, Larry King, like really yeah. anyone. And, and he calls into like a Lonely Hearts type show and he ends up being kind of matched with this lonely woman, Jody, who he learns later is blind. And that's why, like they've, they've been having these kind of like classic sitcom conversations where they're both talking about different things in the they don't understand what the other is saying. And she's like, it's just hard because I'm really different and no one appreciates me. And I feel, I feel uh, self-conscious right. and he's like, me too. Right. And then they end up carrying on a relationship when she doesn't understand that he's an alien because she is blind. Right. She just and thinks he's an old, ostensibly Jewish man. Like, I guess she yeah. just thinks he's like an old, short guy right. with like borscht belt humor and, like a penchant for cats like she she really has no idea and and it's so um awkward because she never learns it is like truly the episode, one of the most bizarre shows just it really is a great wealth made. it's a great wealth for the type of project i'm doing yeah and so i wrote an introduction as myself kind of like pitching the lore of this whole thing as like because i i read a lot of interesting things as a beta reader some of which can, are like can you explain real fast what a what yeah. a beta reader is so it means a lot of different things, but what I do is I read unpublished or self-published manuscripts for a production company that then gauges its um, cinematic potential, I guess. So I write like a glorified book report on the book. Like I read, I read the book, you know, 200 to 800 pages, whatever. And I, I write a book report about the synopsis. And then I have another form to fill out that basically says like, is it a series? Is it a movie? Mm -hmm. Is it a web series? It, you know, what's the what's the core of it and how do we develop it and then it gets passed along to producers and it goes into development and sometimes it gets matched back with me as the screenwriter but most times what i read as a reader is sort of anonymously done and so i don't see that project again until it either gets made or doesn't right um so in terms of the alf project i wrote this introduction as myself saying like, you know, I get a lot of weird stuff that comes across my desk and this was no exception. I just got these kind of I love dick style letters from this woman who wants to be anonymous that I guess had this relationship with Gordon Shumway, a.k.a. Alf. Mm -hmm. And and it went from there and it was it's been great. It's ongoing and a continuous source of joy yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, how many books do you end up reading then in like a month with that mm. job not as many as i do screenplays mm. but like four or five books four or five books a month mm -hmm. how do you do that as as a like 
full on ADHD person, like I marvel at anybody who can like, read like one book a month, but like four is crazy. Well, it's so weird because I never used to be good at reading or I never thought I was. And I would never, I would read like one book a year or like half a book a year. Um, but when I first got interested in reading screenplays, you have to read them fast because you're paid per script. Yeah. But you can't read them sloppily because you're asked to respond to them in detail. So like you have to get practiced at being fast and efficient as a reader and it just takes time. But once you're clicked into it, like I'm reading, like when I read for pleasure, I'm reading like a novel in a weekend because I read so fast. And That's insane. You I just, know, you I just know, look crazy. at, wait, you just look at the page <laughs> and the words go into your brain and you understand what's happening. And you, you file it away and you're like, this character did this and this character is this. And the earlier they said this, so that means this. And it all makes sense in your head. Yeah, this is kind of what I mean about discovering later in life. I mean, I don't, I'm not aged, I should admit. Mm. But like sc- discovering after college that I'm good at something that I didn't realize I was. And that it's like, not everyone can do this. Like not no. everyone has, <laughs> like not, I, it's just like the same, I'm an only child too. So like I'm continuing to learn what a family is for most people and yeah. it's different for me. So I'm like, oh, I didn't know everyone didn't do that. Or I didn't know everyone didn't know their cousins or whatever, you know, like whatever the comparison right. is to my family. And um, yeah, so it's a wild, it's a wild fun uh, job, but it does wear on your mental health. It does mm. definitely, does definitely for somebody who already has like kind of like cave go into my cave antisocial anxiety stuff like right it it, you have to also force yourself to like do your dumb little walk every day or like make sure you're having some kind of outside contact because when your job is just so solitary reading and writing both of which are solitary it, it can be tough would you say you're an introvert yeah i you know, your, you know your Myers-Briggs and all of that? I I don't know my Myers-Briggs. I know I should. It's really I'll not. take full it's, responsibility it's, I, I, for honestly, not knowing. I, I only ask that because it's like, it sort of helps pare down like kind of what a person is, but it doesn't, it's not real. It's like Zodiac too, where like you can kind of see It's somewhat, I, I will yeah. say it's somewhat more valid than, than this. I'm going to, I'm going to make a lot of enemies here and say that I think astrology is complete bullshit. Um, okay. Better you than me. It's just not, it's not based on anything. <laughs> like the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram, at least it's based on like what you're actually like as a person, not just like the day you were born. The sure, fuck does you that can have to choose. do with anything? Yeah. Yeah. You can choose. It's like a love language more than it is anything. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Um, so, so anyway, yes, I, I am introverted in that I am antisocial, mm. but I'm, um, I like people. <laughs> I just don't like being around people. <laughs> Like, I, I like the idea of being friendly and having friends, but really when it comes down to it, like, I'm comfortable alone and I'm, like, most efficient when I'm, like, locked in and alone. What is it then about, like, parties or social situations? Is it um, is it more other people's energy drains you or are you worried that you're going to say something weird or, like, a little bit of both? Or what, what oh. is it exactly? It's both? Oh, it's, like, both both turned up to 10 at the same time. Mm. Like I am at once in a, in a overwhelming, like when I'm overwhelmed in a social situation, I'm at once like extremely judgmental of the people that are around me and extremely self-conscious of what I might say that could be interpreted as wrong. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm just like completely like sensor, sensory overload and emotional overload. And it's like so rarely worth it to put myself in that position that I like, I'm better at it now, but I would force myself to do things and I would know how just like cut awful it would feel to, to do it. And I'm like, but I don't want to miss prom or like, I don't want to miss the Christmas party. And it felt like if I'm so together in some ways, like how, how could I, how could I not have figured this out yet? So it's a lot of shame also. It's just a lot. It's like hard to explain to people who are just effort. Of course, like grass is greener, but I seem to see other people and think like, oh, it's so easy to just like have fun with your friends. Like, why, why would that be hard? Yeah. It's, this is something I get even when I listen to podcasts and I hear just like a group of dudes just, just vibing and having a podcast and having like a, like fun zinger filled friendship. I'm like, that sounds really fun. And I wish I could do that, but I rarely, rarely, if ever am in that like actual headspace, you know, it's, it's really hard to do. Um, do you find that you, do better in just like a smaller group of people, like a, a, like a, a dinner party versus like a, a, a kegger rager. Definitely. But tell me if you're this way too. Uh-huh. Do you like, if I say to you in the hypothetical, like, let's just assume that there's like some people like COVID aside, uh-huh. like this doesn't matter for COVID cause it, you wouldn't do this anyway, but you know how that you have a feeling about someone where you're like, yes, I would let you share a drink, like share a food or drink with me or like, no, I wouldn't. And it's not necessarily because they're like nasty or because you think they, their mouth smells or like, you just have a sense, like you're inside the group or you're outside the group. That's how my brain works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, kind of, um, as a stoner, I, and at least pre COVID ended up, you know, sharing joints with a lot of people. I was just like, Oh, sure. we're just in a circle. And like, I kind of, I know most of these people and I guess I'm fine with it. And I guess, is, and this is honestly a thing that I miss a lot. Um, oh. but I do see what you're saying. Like, or like borrow my car bar- or, oh, yeah, or yeah, like, yeah. I mean, or borrow my phone to make a call. That's great. So like yeah. borrow my phone to make a call. And some people like, if you felt pressured, you would say yes. But like, if you had your druthers, you wouldn't let them touch your phone, borrow your car, share a drink. Sure. And like that's kind of the calculation that my that my brain seems to do in an instant. Where, like, when you asked about smaller groups, for the most part, that's better than bigger groups. Yeah. But certain people in a small group will never be good for me. And it's there's like no rhyme or reason to it. It's just like I feel threatened by them somehow, or. I feel well, like yeah. I put my foot in it last a, time yeah, we talked. If you're, if or... you're in a, a, a group of people, a small group of people come over for dinner and they have a bad vibe, that's not going to be a fun dinner party. That's just, you know, it that's, is a total that's vibe what they thing. call nightmare blunt rotation. That's, that's yeah. a, like, you don't, you don't like their energy. You don't want, you want them out of here. Like, what are they doing right. here? Totally. And, and if, if that's the case, then I'd rather be in a bigger group where I can kind of go away and float away. And, you know, it's like it's all dependent on sure. who the small people who not small people. There are no small people, only small right. <laughs> Hollywood <laughs> Jocelyn has all this small the list of small people that oh she's too good gosh. for because she's got her like big Hollywood uh, fucking screenwriting job or whatever. Yeah, sorry. Was that not clear? But also I mean, works I don't, as a cook. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. That I don't want to have a dinner party with small people who can't help my career. If that right. wasn't clear before. Yeah, now yeah, yeah, now yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, 
yeah, it's just, it's a lot. It's always in it. And the negotiations that I do with myself are ongoing. <laughs> it's just like, I got to do this or you know, I, I only, don't have to do this. The only thing that has ever made me, uh, has helped me or the main thing, I guess that has helped me sort of work past, uh, my social anxiety because I've had quite a bit of it um, and really shot myself in the foot by setting up a uh, solo interview podcast where I talk to somebody <laughs> who I don't really know all that well mm -hmm. every week mm -hmm. um, is just kind of walking right through it and just sort of walking through the discomfort of being in an awkward social situation if you're at a party or whatever and somebody's talking to you and you're just zoning out as they're speaking to you and you're like, I'm not mm -hmm. listening to a word this guy's saying. He's so mm -hmm. fucking boring. I can't wait to like turn my back or mm -hmm. like you say something awkward uh, and like everybody just sort of like turns and looks at you for a second or <laughs> like you, you get into like an actual like unpleasant conversation with somebody. Most of the time it doesn't fucking matter. It just... Right that comes and goes and you feel uncomfortable and your brain releases all this like cortisol and all this like stress hormones. And you're like, that felt really bad. Mm. And then the sun comes up the next day and you go to work and right. you're fine. And yeah. those people forget, like I, I have like people I know and people I like, I've had like real awkward moments with or bad conversations with, or I've been bored by what they're saying. And then like, it's fine. I'm happy to hang out with them again because like, I know that we're all kind of human and we're trying our best and we have off days and we say things that are stupid or whatever, or, mm. and you know, so long as like, I feel like we're all, we all know the difference between like, you're talking to somebody and they like have a bad vibe. They're threatening. They have some sort of hate in their heart or they mm. have a, just a, a threatening or fucked up, gross, creepy presence, or they're just kind of like just having a bad time. Right. We know the or difference. Somebody that you don't know very well. Yeah. So you don't know what their vibe is. Sure. You just are scared to find out. <laughs> that it's sure. Bad. Yeah. I mean, there, there is that. And I, I guess like I do have to acknowledge that I have some degree of privilege as a like six foot tall man that mm. I don't really often have to assess the like physical threat level of anybody sure. who I'm dealing with. Right. Um, but you know, it, it, and that, that I will say in my case is not, it's not present for me unless someone's like really actually physically scaring sure. me for whatever. That's very rare. That's <laughs> like, I'm glad that's rare. I'm glad that's. Yeah. But also <laughs> like if I were by myself or with people I didn't know very well, right. then like there's probably so much, um, like, feminine like calculation that's happening in my brain just yeah for self perseverant you know like self yeah. just to, to make sure i'm not in danger i don't even think i'm conscious of it it's just something that i'm always no that's just that's just your instincts is living yeah, like, as a woman in the world like it, yeah it's like that it, i always think of that scene in goodfellas where they're like come on come here come on, i got designer clothes come on come on come on yeah, and it's yeah. like so creepy the way it's shot yeah, come on, right around the corner. And she's like going down the street and the click clack of her yeah. heels and it's like silent. And like, that's how I feel in those type situations where I'm like, it's so obvious that it's different than just mild social anxiety or not wanting to be here or 
feeling a little awkward or preferring to be by myself when it's actually a dangerous situation versus the other thing I feel, which is just like a mild kind of discomfort and acknowledging of the fact that like other people seem to be loving this and like can't wait to do this. Mm. Whereas for me, I'm like, oh, it's something that I try to put off or get out of. And I'm not like hyped up fear wise, like I'm Lorraine Bracco going to look at designer clothes sure. and Goodfellas, but like, I'm not a hundred percent, not that I'm like a two out of 10 of that just because it feels gross. Like it affects me physically. I feel like nauseous sometimes, or like I'll start to cry. Oh, that's the worst. Like I will start to cry for no reason. And I won't be like, <gasps> like I won't hyperventilate right. or like, it'll almost be like allergies cry. Like tears will just come out of my eyes and someone's like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm fine. Just like in the middle of a party. Yeah, like, what do you do for a living? Just, like, wiping my face. Like, it's, it's <laughs> it doesn't happen very much anymore. But when I was in high school and early, like, in my early 20s, right, I would just start to, like, spontaneously cry all the time. Just crying mid-conversation. Yes. <laughs> How did people react yes. to that? Well, I think it's like, it's like anything where you, you can train people to react to it the way you need them to. And usually I'm like vulnerable enough in this, in the situation to just be like, it's just the thing that happens. Don't, you don't need to worry <laughs> don't about Don't look at me. it. Don't look at it. Yeah. Sometimes, or just like, haha. Oh, well, I'm an emotional person. Right. And they're like, oh, cool. And sometimes it leads to people feeling more comfortable around me because they're like, well, you've already done this thing that I would never do, or that would cost me a lot of like emotional bucks. And they the don't understand that it's just something spontaneous that happens to me. I'm not like, vibing right. with them so hard that we have this like deep trust did but you I ever think... try and play it off like that like i'm just so moved by you as a person <laughs> that you just no because it doesn't happen at the time where it would be useful to me <laughs> like it's not like someone's right. telling a story and i just happen to spontaneous it's like i'm introducing myself and i have to say my name and then i listen to it come out and as it's coming out i'm like uh-oh <laughs> right uh -oh. It's, it's like an involuntary a... emotional response absolutely Wow. Um, and it's something that I've tried to stop a lot. And it's something that I've go through phases of like, I should conquer this in therapy. And then other phases where I'm like, this is just me. Like, love me or leave me. Like, yeah. it's just part of what happens with me. And, it, and then like, I'll go through a stretch of it not happening very much or very often. And I'm like, oh, I kicked it. Yeah. But I haven't done anything to do it. So you kind of know it's not away forever. It's, it's one of those things. I feel like I've had a similar um, experience, not with crying so much, but like I, and this was something I noticed after I went on antidepressants ah. um, that it went away hmm. um, or at least almost never happens now where I used to have this feeling where like I was, I would talk about something that I was really enthusiastic about. Like if it was something that I just like really love, uh, I'm, I'm mm. talking about uh, Octavia Butler or I'm talking about pet sounds <laughs> or I'm talking about something that like really moved me recently. And uh -huh. like my voice starts quivering as I talk and I almost start like laughing as I'm speaking. Uh. And I catch myself just like, just like feeling like I'm getting too emotional speaking about this right now and have to like take a breath and step back mm -hmm. and a yeah. couple of times this hasn't happened this also hasn't happened to me for a while i will start uncontrollably laughing like trying to tell a story of just some like some goofy thing saw a guy like saw my dad fall down 
or like whatever. (laughs) And I'm trying to like tell Caitlin or whoever about that. And I can't get the words out because I'm laughing too fucking hard. And like, it's, it gets embarrassing. There was one time in college during a screenwriting class, we were reading a screenplay and we'd put a joke into the screenplay that I couldn't read. And I was laughing at my own fucking jokes and like (laughs) so hard. And I was like, I am an asshole. Like, what am I doing? But, but you're, you're definitely onto something. Like that's exactly how it feels. Yeah. Like the second before I realize it's happening, my internal thoughts are like, you're getting a little too emotional about this. Like, this isn't the normal response yeah. you should have to like, and it does often happen to me while I'm like holding court, telling a joke that everyone likes, mm. like everyone else is laughing along with the joke I'm telling, but I'm crying as I'm telling it. It's so strange. And then they're like, are you crying because the joke is really funny? And you're like holding in, you know, like crying to the point of laughter or right. laughing to the tears, but it's not quite that, but this, it's also like not quite, engaging enough or interesting enough to mention what's actually going on with me it's like it wouldn't stop the story that's like fucking killing at a party right to tell people like oh just so you know i'm crying and it's not fully okay but it's not not okay you know like it's hard to just like because you're everyone's catching the story on the wave of you have your to tail. print it on a t-shirt or like give people cards like walking that in says Phoenix if and i Joker. cry just keep moving on yeah <laughs> don't call attention to it there's that that bond villain the mads mickelson one where he like he cries blood like every now and then like during the like a tear of blood comes out of his eye and he's like oh oh, don't look at it you know yeah it's that's amazing i gotta make a movie about about this feeling that that's like turned up slightly like that has it ever like that i barf or something and that would be the short film version it would be so good and so truthful to me but it's not that i barf it's that i cry has it ever gotten in the way of a uh, performance? Like, like they really uh, need to get this shot and you can't stop crying or can't stop laughing? No, I don't think so. Not that I can remember. It's so much a social thing. Mm. Like, I feel so comfortable playing a part that it would never happen. Um, but between takes, right about to set up, right about to take a note or something, it totally could have happened. I'm sure it has. Mm-hmm. But it happens so... Um, even though I've said it doesn't happen very often, if I think about my life in full, it's so much a part of it that I can't even really remember specific times. Because wow. it doesn't get in my my way anymore. <laughs> I'm just right. kind of like, you just and, no, and so like just by like never, any by other, never going outside and never <laughs> never getting into social situations. That's it. Yeah, and I would never compare it to like a, any other kind of like physical disability. But you understand when you're speaking to someone. Oh yeah, they have no, a talking you don't mention it if you're cool you know yeah just like babes no like you don't like mention what's going on yeah, you hey, don't be like, oh i notice you have a tick i notice right you, right yeah, right like, so it's... i think like people have definitely noticed but nobody has ever said like what's up with that or like how are you doing with that right so i think the best thing is to just like whoop, we're still having a hang i'm still telling a story I'm still doing this or that or listening to you. And it doesn't, it doesn't, they don't make it more awkward than to try and bring it up, I guess. Right. I mean, there's (laughs) nothing worse than that. When, when like an awkward situation gets acknowledged and then you have to keep digging into it. You're just like, just cut, just cut, 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 (sighs) cut, cut, cut. Like we know, we know it's weird. We'll talk about it in the car ride home. We don't need to fucking. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. Write your own short film about what would you feel? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah, 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 man. So why did you um, decide to go into writing as opposed to acting? Like what, what was the gear shift? Um, well, it has to do with anxiety too, but I think it, like the positive way of looking at it is that I like kind of discovered writing and, and felt like it was acting, but without triggering my anxiety. Sure. <laughs> and, and it's a little bit more control and it's a little bit more, um, it's like harder and easier. It's, it's hard to explain, but I have nothing against acting and I really enjoyed being an actor, but um, I couldn't quite get the jobs that I needed to get to live off being an actor. I think because I can't, I don't want to say can't in a negative context, but I don't thrive in an audition situation mm. for many of the same reasons we've already discussed. It's gotta be. I mean, <laughs> the way I, I've never done it, but I know a lot of people who, you know, like work in the field, um, especially like people who are just sort of secondarily or tertiary, like involved in acting. Like if they, if they're a writer or if they're a comic or whatever, but they're like, oh, yeah, I'll get in, I'll like audition for like a fucking craft mustard commercial. Why not? Like, but like just the cattle call but thing that, is just that like craft mustard thing is the hardest part of it. Yeah. Because when you have to be a commercial person, when you don't think of yourself that way and you don't know how to be different than you are, like it's, the odds are already impossibly against you and the, the success rate is small, but it's smaller when you can't quite get rid of the little weirdsies that you have and, and you don't want to, like, I don't, I don't want to like, it's hard. Cause like, I want the crafts mustard commercial more than anything. I need it. My rent needs it. My self-esteem needs it. Like I want it. It's something that I want. And then on this side of my brain, the other devil angel is like, you can't change yourself. <laughs> yeah. You can play a character and like draw upon the things that work about you and, and meet halfway, but you can't sell mustard if, if you can't sell mustard. What would happen if you became like the, the AT&T girl of craft mustard? Like what would happen? I don't know. It'd just be I mean, crazy. It would be crazy. They would have to want a really weird spokesperson, but like if they did, <laughs> that would be great and it would work well. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I think for a long time I held on to that. I was like, yeah, I'm, 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 I've got like weird talent, but maybe that will be what someone wants. Like they'll want the, the kind of like weirdness of it. And some people did and some people still do. And, and like, that's very flattering. And I, I enjoy that, um, bump to my self-esteem, but when you compare it to writing, if I like cry in a meeting, like no one's like, this isn't going to work. That isn't what we wanted. That isn't working. Like as a writer, they're just like, oh, okay. You're like emotional, but whatever. Like the writing is good. Sure. Like it's not you. Like it's separated from my body and like my personhood when I write something and write it in the character. It's, it's just like just enough separation that I felt like acting didn't give me that I feel like writing does give me. Sure. I still take it really seriously. I still get nervous for meetings. I still feel like that audition energy when I'm having a writing 
series of notes or meetings or meeting someone for the first time or casting someone else is like, oh my God, this was the worst thing for me to go through. And now I'm taking some of that on. Like I still have all the same feelings, but that just shows me that I really want to do this. It's just not easy all the time. You do have to push through certain things. Otherwise I could just be the best like part-time restaurant cook ever. And like, I would be fine. I'm so privileged to have a job already. (laughs) Like I could just do that job and it wouldn't trigger my anxiety at all. I would never, but I would never get to express myself in the creative way that I feel like I want to. So being a writer like helps me do that and feel more safe, I guess. Um, Have you gone through spells where it was just the day job or it was just like, I am, I'm Jocelyn Jensen and I'm a cook. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much what I do for the last indiscernible amount of time. Yeah. Um, and it's addictive because <laughs> it feels good to do something that people really need. And it's kind of like, for me, it's addictive to not pursue the arts <laughs> yeah. because you can see how important it is. Like with food, you're like, well, it's not going to go out of style. It's going to be for a lot more people than the short film about me crying blood. So, so like, it's hard, (laughs) it's hard to like beef yourself up, but when it's something that you feel like you're really good at, which is the disease that I have, um, you're like, well, I don't look down on being a cook. I actually think being a cook helps me be a better writer because it puts me in touch with different kinds of people than writing Twitter or whatever, whoever else I could meet if I was just writing. Um, you're in the trenches, you're in the service industry. I mean, I feel like everybody, everybody, especially people in the arts should, should know that life. Yeah. They should, they should should have to spend at least a, I don't know, at least a year of their lives, like staring at that, like orange, you know, that like orange brown tile that's in every kitchen Mm. in America with the, with the white grout. You have to like look the at mats, that. Like look the at the compression yeah, mats. Yeah, the compression like, yeah. mats and yeah. the floor yeah. drains. You have to get used to the smell of like a mop bucket and like really know what that's like mm-hmm. as your job, as your day to day before you go run your mouth as a blue check mark on Twitter. Like yeah, just a thought. There's nothing, totally. And there's nothing worse than seeing, like, I don't mean to pick on her, but like if you imagine like no- Nicole Kidman, let's say. I'll sure. pick on her because I'd she's pick such on a her, you know, but she's not she's, she's, she's not gonna <laughs> Is she one shit. of your listeners? Oh god, Nicole. No, I'm I mean, sorry. I, I'm sure she's a nice person, but she's fine. She doesn't <laughs> But my point about her is that she's such a fancy person. Like you would never believe her as a short order cook. Even if it was like an no. Oscar worthy role, there's just like certain people you can tell don't have the lived experience, even when you try to get them, you smear dirt on their face, it still doesn't yeah. look like dirt. Like, and there's something in the soul, I think, or body or, or Jennifer Beals in, in flash dance. Like she's supposed to be a welder or something. And she's like gorgeous. And you're just like, I... but there are amazing and gorgeous people who have this. Sure. They can play a low status person. They can play a server. They can play someone who serves instead of it's getting served. Yeah. But if you don't have that, it's like a square peg being jammed in my eye, my round eye hole, <laughs> when I'm like, I can just see the, the uh, authenticity uh, missing. Mm-hmm. It's like so obvious to me and so distasteful. But anyway, so I have a lot of respect for my job. Um, and I think because I see how it benefits me as a writer, 
I have, you know, quite recently like divorced myself of the shame of having a day job that I think a lot of people in the arts have. Like they, they make a goal to be like, after this year, I'm not going to be working in restaurants anymore. I'm just going to be like living off being an actor or being a writer or being a, you know, TV director. Miss me with that because you know what? There's a lot of different ways to pay your rent and there's a lot of different ways to feel secure in yourself. And I just feel like not enough people are saying like, you should have those jobs because that's what makes you, you like, that's what gives you something to talk about other than how, how many followers you have or like what movies coming out this year. Cause it might not always, I mean, look at the pandemic. Like it might not always, you might not always have something to talk about Yeah. in the arts. Like, you might actually have to have a conversation, whether you cry or not, about yourself and about like what you do on a day-to-day basis and how it's inspiring. And like I can tell you so many different stories about just like ideas I've got, like chopping onions or like I got trigger finger because I use my knife in the same hand, you know, and it like yeah. gives you trigger finger. And then I found out my mom has trigger finger because it's like something old ladies. What's get. trigger finger? Sorry. Trigger finger is like I wake up in the morning and I call it the first crack because my hand's like a paw. And then when I wake up, I crack my hand open and it sounds loud. Like it sounds almost like TMJ. Oh shit. I have that really bad. Yeah. Do you have TMJ as well? I do. Yes. Have you noticed the the mask thing? Like, like having to wear a mask? Like, cause so I do know about the mask and there's basically the same method for trigger finger, which is like wearing a splint to bed, but it's so uncomfortable. I did it like one night and I'm just bad about stuff like that. Right. There's a surgery as well, but it's expensive. Who wants surgery? Then I won't have my hand for like however long I need my hand. But, um, it's just like a weird thing that I have now. And it's so loud. It sounds like clap, clapping, like right. this loud. But every painful? time I open my hand. Does it, because it TMJ, like, that shit hurts. When yeah, like your jaw pops hurt, out. It doesn't hurt like TMJ. It sort of feels like when you crack your back, it doesn't feel mm. good or bad. You're just like, there it is. And then. Um, I disagree. I love cracking my back. <laughs> well, yeah, cracking your back can sometimes relieve tension. But this is like cracking something that like just doesn't really matter to you. Sure. You're just like, oh, yeah, I'm hearing it and I'm feeling it. Like you can feel it like the way you crack your back, but it's not a good feeling. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it works itself out during the rest of the day as I use my hands for whatever, everything. And then uh, around like 10 or 11 p.m., it'll stiffen again and start cracking. And it's just one of those weird things. Yeah. And I'm not saying like everyone should get a day job and get trigger finger <laughs> and a surgery that they can't afford. I'm just saying like uh, what other – like if I wrote a script about trigger finger, that would never come into my brain if – I was just paid a sweet salary to sit on my fanny and like write or go to parties or just like hang out with other writers that were at yeah. my same tax bracket. Well, and not only that, like if you'd been just doing that since you were like 20, you know, like, cause there are people yeah. who have that experience or their where whole life. Just, cause like, their mom it. does it or whatever, you know, like they're rich independently. Um, yeah. Ugh, anyway, that's my diatribe about. No, I get it. Like I, I, I walk dogs and I move apartments and I think about, uh, the toll that takes on my body walking, you know, five to 10 miles a day, moving mm-hmm. apartments, lifting immense amounts of weight and like mm-hmm. going down steps and, you know, like really, 
running that. I was working a job just this week with a guy. He's in his 40s and was just like we were carrying a couch out through the lobby. And he's like, oh, my God, I really feel it in my knees now, like these days. And mm-hmm. I was just like, that's coming. Like, I, yeah. I, and, and like it, when I think about day job stuff uh, that I do in order to, you know, just pay rent. I mean, I look at my future and I think about, I think about a lot of things. I think about how lucky I am that I have some options Hmm. and that this isn't the only avenue open to me necessarily. As I get older, I feel like a lot of more of those doors close, but like, you know, I mean, I'm looking into doing like one of those coding boot camp things just to find a new skill set. So I'm not, you know, in my 50s and 60s and still like lugging Ikea furniture up, you know, steps and stuff. Like, I don't think I can do that. Like, you know, just are you the type of person that gets really hot and heavy interested in different like hobbies and stuff? Or are you mostly motivated to do the boot camp Cause you're like this, this day job isn't going to sustain me forever. And I need something that maybe could. It's a little bit of both. I feel like it's something that I could, uh, I could become interested in or, or no, it, it's something that I am already interested in, like computer science, data science stuff. It's just that I know nothing about it. And I always assumed that that was way too much of a like l- left brain, like logical number, sure. be good at math kind of thing. But right. the more I talk to people who work in tech, the more they're like, nah, not really. There's a lot of different avenues. And it's like actually a lot more like right brain and creative than you think and mm-hmm. all of this stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. Because that seems to be one of the last vestiges of like not necessarily like making great money but it's people who know who work in tech like that's the solidly middle class bracket in america now like people who i think work in you know like the service industry like us um Mm -hmm. like that's still like working class lower middle class lower class kind of income where you're mm-hmm. making between 30, maybe 60 K a year, you know? And like, that's, you can squeeze by, but like, it's gonna be difficult. Right. And it also, it's physical and it takes a toll on your body and it's not something that you can necessarily do forever. And if you get injured, you're shit out of luck. And like yeah. a lot of these jobs don't come with benefits or anything like that. So like, right. you know, when I think of, like our generation's equivalent of like what a regular kind of just working class job that you can maybe support a family on and like not be rich, but like get by. Okay. Like that's, it's tech, it's tech stuff. It's all sitting, it's all sitting in front of a screen. (laughs) Sorry to interrupt. That's okay. Go ahead. I just was like, isn't it so weird that people in our parents' generation and like the generations before could just like buy a house, like, it's yeah, like a really job. It's fucked up. Like that's so crazy to me. Like to think about, they're just like, oh yeah, I worked at like the bank. Yeah. Didn't own the bank, just worked there. And like yeah. I had a house, and then my wife was like, you know, working at a diner, a single mom, like at a diner, but like renting a house or buying it. I'm like, what the. It's, it's not. I mean, I do know a few people. Like I don't. 
I know a couple of people who actually own property here in New York City. I mm. know less people who own property uh, in the Twin Cities where I used to live. I know a few mm -hmm. more people who own property um, in, in like Nebraska and the greater Midwest where I'm from. Mm. Um, it's possible in some pockets. It's not possible in a lot of other pockets where like, uh, you know, a lot of the jobs that we want to be doing are at like it's hmm. I don't know it's 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 hard to like I've resigned myself to the fact that I'm never gonna own fucking property in New York City like come on yeah are you kidding like never right. but you know um it's I'm glad in a way that it feels like kind of the rest of our generation is largely in the same boat and that like I'm mm -hmm. not just like some like dirtbag loser I'm just like no it's like kind of we're all like this there was that there was some tweet uh that got dragged rightfully so um on on Twitter this week about how uh this guy was saying like millennials are having to pay property taxes and that's making them turn conservative because as soon as millennials have to start paying property taxes on their homes, they're like, wait, what's all this money going to? And like, I don't want to pay the government for my shit. No, and like, yeah, that's and definitely it's just, And everybody it. was just like, how many of us own a fucking house? What are you talking about? Like, shut up. Yeah, no, you're right, dude. You and got it. And even the people you, I know who, who own property, like, they're like, yeah, you pay taxes because you're not a fucking dick. Like, you, you yeah. still like, <laughs> yeah. live on the grid. Oh you still God. live in society, you dumb bitch. Yeah, exactly. For some reason, that reminded me of another tweet from a while ago where some, I can't even remember who it was, but somebody who like had been an indie writer, director, actor, um, like leveled up and then started tweeting like, hey, just make your movie, you know? And I was like, okay, do you want to give me some fucking money, dog? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, give me one million dollars, like, literally and, one uh, million dollars that I can make a yes, pretty shoestring indie movie with. <laughs> yeah, and we like we like your old work. You used to be cool. Like, you don't have to talk down to us like that. Like, you don't have to become an influencer just because you have the blue check. You can also just like keep being cool and not talk down to those of mm. us who can't make our own movie. Oh my god, what a loser! Anyway. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, so on the topic of social media, um, mm. well, that comes up a lot on this show. How do you mentally deal with social media? It's, it's, uh, it's a bummer, <sighs> and you have to have it because you're a writer and shit. Yeah, I do have to have it. Um, I do a lot of blocking and muting mm -hmm. and unfollowing. Um, I'm on a new kick where a friend of mine, uh, another great writer and actor, his name's Avery Monson. Shout out to my friend Avery. Um, he does this thing on his social media where he only follows stuff that like basically like sparks joy. So he he'll follow like a bunch of different like art accounts and usually not people. Yeah. And so I'll like. I like went through my feed and really it takes, it takes like three days cause you can't do it for too long before you're just like so bored. But even me who reads two books a day, I can't be bothered to sit <laughs> on social media and like unfollow everything except for like a yeah. weird 
um, process porn account that I like that shows you like how <laughs> how candy bars get made or whatever. And it's like very soothing. Sure, I love those. That's so very, that's like that, my, sounds, that sounds on brand. That's very you. That yes, that and miniatures are like my sweet oh, spot. Oh, I love miniatures. I, I don't know what it miniatures. is. I love little tiny things. They're so great. And the, the people who make them and they show you how they're making them. So it kind of combines my two interests of like yeah. process like stuff. A little and then tiny like honey pot <gasps> that I can hold on my fingertip. Like, or like the real food where they make like a tiny egg breakfast, like a tiny English, classic English breakfast sure. that fits on the top of your finger. That's perfect. <laughs> but like if you compare how that makes me feel and like the serotonin involved in that kind of scrolling versus sure. like a friend who's like sad posting or like crying out for help or just like being really happy apparently i know social media is a lie and everyone curates their own kind of like destiny there mm -hmm. but just consuming as a consumer i want a refund <laughs> like i don't want that like i don't i want to participate in social media without having that like not just compare and despair but like the tiger comes out and i'm just sure. mean i just judge people and i I, I, the worst is like I judge people after I smash like because I can't not like their like engagement photos, but then I hate them. <laughs> it's like, why am I doing this particularly with my time? Sure. When I could be doing something I love, like an easy crossword. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I've tried a lot of different things, but, but muting and blocking and kind of curating my social media is like really the only thing that works. What gets a, what gets a mute or a block from you? Um, I will mute people if I feel that, um, kind of competitive compare and despair stuff, whether it has to do with like body image or career stuff. Um, and, and I'll check in with them when I want to, cause like I'll mute them fully mute stories, mute posts. And then I'll be like, Oh, I wonder how she's doing or how he's doing. And I can look them up. I still have access to them anytime I want it, but I don't have to get it when all the time. Sure. Plus like over posting is a big thing. Well, you'll, you'll get it. That's a mute for me, babe. Yeah. Like if you're posting too much and, and, and usually it's important. It's like your baby was just born, but I've got 25 pictures of the baby now. When did, did, did you works. notice that we somehow decided as a, as a society that uh, it's one post a day on Instagram tops? Ugh. Ugh. What, yes. happened? what happened? Like what? I never saw, I never heard this spoken out loud. It just seems to be like, like I only know, post you know. like every couple of days tops. And like, it's, I'll post not an obnoxious amount, but like a good amount on the stories. Yeah. Um, but not to where it though. looks, not to where it looks like a dotted line. Cause I, no, I get no. annoyed when people have too many stories too. Same I'm just thing. like, stop. I don't have time to thumb through this. Yeah, but yeah, hard like, same. I, for a while, I don't know if he still does this anymore because I think I unfollowed him. For a while, like Snoop Dogg was <laughs> posting like four or five times a day. And I was just like, this is just too much, man. I'm sorry. Oh like, well, I, I love I know, you and everything, but. I must have muted him. I know I used to follow Snoop because my partner, Frank, was in a Christmas movie called The Ghost Who Walks. Mm -hmm. And Snoop Dogg did in his stories like a post where he was like flexing like look how many Christmas movies I'm watching right now. Like I got this one on this screen. I got this one on that screen. And when he panned over, it was my partner's Christmas movie. And we were like, we lost our shit. We're like, oh my God, Snoop's watching the movie. So I know I used to follow 
Right. But he might have gotten muted. If he's an overposter. He's an overposter. Muted. You can tweet as many times as you want in a day. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's unlimited. Like you, you can should. just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. like let those let those arrows fly. But yep. really like Instagram, like I think about it. If I'm gonna make a grid post, like I really think about like, is this worthy of the grid? Is it right? Is yeah. it right? It's weird. And it has to be. It should be. And you should have that consideration. I like I wanted to make, you know how there's like those old Emily Post books that are like manners yeah. or like how to be. We need to do one for social media that's like what to do with each. Like I don't want to see a Twitter screenshot on Instagram. It's like I want to see pictures. I want to see memes. Like, okay, yes, it's a fine line between a meme and a screenshot of Twitter. But like you got to know what that is. I want the Emily Post book for like how to use each each app, like each platform. Yeah. And then everyone is just like, okay, so you're rude if you're doing it wrong. See, but We're that's the, the thing is page. there is, there's never going to be an Emily post because uh, like we said, like I was saying, like the, nobody came out and said you only post once a day on Instagram. But you just, it just was know. It was just a hive mind thing where I think yeah. the way I learn it is I hear through osmosis basically through other people's passive aggressive posts like don't be the guy who posts this shit that's this yeah. shit's so annoying and you, you're just not directed at anybody it's kind of a subtweet but it's mm -hmm. not really um you know like necessary like i don't necessarily take it personally unless it's specifically something that i was already talking about that day and i'm like okay that i just got subtweeted that's fine but right um then I just learn like, okay, so that's kind of uncouth to do that, right. to do this or that thing. And that's it. But we're all on it so much that it, it, it begs the question, like if you and I both know that from the hive mind, then like it's some people are missing it, obviously, because they're, they're not I, trying to be uncool. I think some people are just maybe less sensitive to it. I don't know. It could be. I'm very sensitive to stuff like that. I you know You obviously sure. are. Yeah. And, and I am very opinionated about it. But I can only be as I am. And I think that, you know, there are like some great TikTok accounts that I follow that like teach kids who may not have the best um, like parental influences, like how to wash your body, like in the shower, for example. They're like, take the soap, do this, do that. Like, here's how you do it. That's how you do it right. Right. And I love stuff like that. I'm like, okay, mm. good. I know I'm doing it right. That's great. That's great for me to know. I don't need it, but I'm glad to have it. Like if, so if there's someone on TikTok that had that I respected that would teach me how to post on each app, I would abide by that. But that's me, right? So not everybody has the same sensitivity or cares at all. And it's just the wild west out there on the apps. They're just gonna do I mean, that, to me, that's what Facebook is for. Like to me, like I never go on Facebook anymore, but every time I go back, I'm just like, Yeesh. Like you know people so here funny? have no idea how to fucking post. Well, I got off Facebook in 2012, not to brag, because I was in a film um, in which I appeared nude. Oh. And I still get uh, Google alerts every day about the porn sites that my body is on without my permission. I have given up that fight long ago, but that movie premiered in 2012. And I got so much like unwanted attention on Facebook because I was just a regular person. Like I had no security, uh, right. just like an open page. Because I figured like, oh, my career is going somewhere. Like I want people to be able to find me. Like if it's a private account, they will just think it's not even me or whatever. 
And so I got so much unwanted attention that I never went back to Facebook. But if I look at it now, I'm like, what is that? I like thought it was Tinder or something because I also don't have a dating app. So it's like person in a long like It was just like dudes trying to hit you up or something because they saw you naked I, in a movie? Yeah, and I really didn't like it. And a lot of it was people who didn't speak English. So it was clearly like through a translated. Right. But then it would get really kind of graphic and scary because maybe they didn't mean it, benefit of the doubt. But right. it was threats about me. So That's I was like, yeah, no, so I don't want weird. this at all. So I got off Facebook, but I don't recognize it. It's changed so much. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, every time I go back, I'm just like, I have like 20 notifications. I'm like, who the fuck is, what, what is this shit? Yeah. That's yeah, insane yeah. though. You see somebody naked and you think you just like hit them up because it's just like, what's the thought process there? I don't know. I mean, it, you know, again, you know like, that any, any lady you talk to, like they <laughs> also have breasts and hips and stuff. Like they they look, they look the same naked. Like everybody's got those parts just because you've seen them already. Like what's the, I don't understand. I don't know. People are mean. Like I would block people and then they would make a new account and be like, you're a bitch for blocking me. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, how do you think this is going to go this time? Yeah. I'm going to be like, Oh my God, you're right. I'm so sorry. Will you please come fuck me? Like, no, of course not. Like that's it. It's done. You're, you're off. You're not even muted. You're blocked. You go away now. I never see you again. I never have to deal with you, but it can be scary to have like unwanted attention when you think, when you think that you want some likes or like some clout or something, and yeah. then you get kind of attention that you don't want, it can be really it's like a huge bummer in the best case scenario and like actually kind of scary and stalkery and gross in yeah. the worst case. Again, like this is not something that I've had to like really deal with so much. Like I and can't I'm even lucky really remember. In that, like, yeah, I'm I, just lucky that I just didn't participate i was just like yeah it's not that important to me to have a facebook so <laughs> bye <laughs> i'm i mean you got out at the right time it was really just downhill from from 2012 mm. on honestly yeah i'm grateful to not have to deal with it <laughs> speaking of emily post and this is a side note um i just oh, started yeah. reading a book today uh that i think you'd like uh mm. called madam have you read it i have um, read it you have read it, see, because you've already mm -hmm. like you've already read every fucking book ever published. Yeah, I loved it. I I loved it. It was like very um, Daphne du Maurier, like Rebecca meets like some kind of gothic school drama. I loved it. I thought yeah, it was great. It was fucking great. I, I mean, it's I, I, what I've read of it. I'm only like, you know, a few chapters in. So do far. you have like the edition that has the cool cover with the long A? It's got a great cover design. The yeah, the cover design is, is really yeah, cool. it's really it's, cool. Yeah, spooky I'm castle often, on the rocks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm often drawn to the cover. Don't judge a book by it, but sure. you buy a book because of it. Is the I like what I people are doing by. lately with like the kind of twist on gothic horror. Like I just read uh, Mexican Gothic. Um, oh, it's on my reading list. It's Thank so you, yes. good. That's already mm. getting developed, apparently. Um, I'm not surprised. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I love it um oh like really the, it's of the like cast the, or just because you like it's better set on book. the back cover like uh like it's being produced or something by like kelly ripa or something and i was just like oh uh, yeah I'm sure maybe, maybe not maybe. yeah i don't mm -hmm. know if this is gonna be great i don't yeah. know not to throw shade at kelly ripa but like what i i just i don't know that she's a a reputable film tv producer i'd love to be wrong uh, sure. i would love to be it wrong. would be great 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, that book was fucking sick. And, like, the way it transitions from, like, a classic haunted house setup into something, like, way crazier is really interesting and seamless. I, yeah, I, think, yeah, yeah. I think you'll I think you'll like it. Yeah. Yes, I would love it. It's already on my it's my list. It's my list of to be read books. So hell yeah, Jocelyn Jensen. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh my um, gosh, my pleasure. This was really fun. Uh, is there anything that you would like to plug? You got your your Alf uh, newsletter and you, right. uh, you well, have a social media presence as well, obviously. <laughs> yeah, come um, get blocked by me on social media, um, Jocelyn Jensen underscore on Instagram. You guys know about my um, Substack. Alf fan fiction newsletter, Letters to Alf. Um, also, my partner and I run a screen um, screenwriting consultation and feedback company called Script Eater. So you can check that out at script-eater.com. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for me. This is great. Yeah. I really, I really like the podcast, and I like, um, I like you, Brad. I think you're doing a great job. I like you too. Thank you. That means a lot to me. You got it, bud. Okay. Thank you once again to Jocelyn Jensen for being on the show. And thank you for listening. Hope you were listening to this doing something good. Making a painting. Going for a run. Um, or, Or maybe just laying in bed. Maybe just maybe just taking taking a minute to chill. You can do that too. Well, whatever you're doing, hope you're doing it. I don't know. As long as you're not like doing a bad like you know probably not if you're like shooting black tar heroin or something. Listening to this, then I maybe you don't approve. But whatever. Right in to the show. Let me know what you're doing while you listen to this. DM me uh, at Radical Pearson on Instagram and Twitter. My DMs are open. Uh, DM the show. Follow the show at SelfWorst on Instagram. You can email me at SelfWorst at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Patreon. Patreon.com slash SelfWorst. It's not Christmas anymore, but it's still the season of giving. Come on. Help me out. We got bonus content coming. I'm going to uh, continue my series of depression bangers. That's coming up. Got some more bonus episodes about to drop. Music, by the way, is by Shea Bartell. Um, Give you a little preview. The next episode of uh, Depression Bangers is going to be about this German band called Boren and Duke Club of Gore. That's a crazy name, because they're German. Um, And check them out. I think you will like them for this time of year. They make gloomy, kind of Angelo Badalamenti, like sad film noir jazz. Just goes perfect with this time of year. Perfect. Anyway, thought I'd plug them. That's all. Uh, Brush your teeth. Floss. Take care of yourself. Uh, clip your nails. You know, make your bed. Wash your penis. Do do hygiene. It's good for you. Go out and fail. It's good for you. Bye. <laughs>